And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. Well, if you were hoping it was going to get any warmer, you would have been sadly disappointed. It is now 8 degrees outside, but hold on to your hat. The feels-like temperature is... 0.5. And I think that's about right. On Canberra Live with Leon Delaney. Money Matters with Luke Smith from Envision Financial Services. And here he is seeking refuge from the cold, the wind and the rain. Luke Smith from Envision Financial. You've just come in from the great outdoors. How terrible is it? That that 0.0 something (laughs) is generous. And I'm actually upset that we're finally not sitting in a sauna ourselves. (laughs) They're going to put them on. I think I heard an ad break just before. They're going to put them on Lake Billy Griffin. Oh, the saunas, yeah. We've been working in a sauna for three or four years now. I'm I'm sort of wishing we could have it back in light of what the weather is outside. Do you want me to slip out to the control room and turn the temperature up or something? Dial it up like the girls no, in no, office. I, I like it nice and fresh in the studio. It needs to be crisp and cool in the studio. Yeah, That's my just... um, my office has been a bit of a you know international training centre. I'm surprised we haven't had athletes coming in for humidity <laughs> training because the girls run the office at 23 or something mm. ridiculous, and it's yeah, mm. it's almost shorts and t-shirts. Ah, well, yeah, but then when you go outdoors and it's 0.5 in the feels like temperature, you know, it's not good for you to go from one no, environment correct. to the other and correct. back again. Exactly right. Well, we're here today to talk money matters, uh, surprising yes. as that might seem. Yes, just for a change. Just, just for something different. Uh, and this week's topic is what is dollar cost averaging mm. and why would you use it? Now, dollar cost averaging, believe it or not, I've actually heard of this. Yeah, oh, look, this isn't this isn't anything revolutionary. I just think it's worth explaining that I find it interesting that people come in and say, oh, so when are we going to buy that? I don't know. Because what's a good price? What's a bad price? What's the market going to do? Is it going to go up? Is it going to go down? What could an individual share be worth? You know, we've had two, you know, technically we're in a recession now because we've had two periods of negative growth. Well, no, 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 per capita. Per capita growth, yeah, there you go. Um, You know, so we've seen markets be extremely volatile, especially over the last three or four months. We've had highs of 73, 7,400 on index. We've had that nearly back to break into the sixes. And dollar cost averaging is simply making people aware that you don't have to go out and buy everything you want to hold in a single transaction. And as the name implies, dollar cost averaging. It just simply means that you don't buy everything you want to hold in an individual asset or an individual stock in one go. That could entail. I really like Macquarie Bank, Commonwealth Bank. Pick a stock, any stock. And is that the best price I'm going to see it at in the next 6 to 12 months? Who really knows? But a law of probability says that the price will continue to go up and down as it always done. So if you wanted to buy $10,000 of a $20,000 allocation and then keep an eye on it, you can average into a full position and say, well, I'll buy 10000 now. And you might buy that next 10000 in a month, two months, three months, six months, depending on your preference and your situation. With ETFs or wholesale managed funds, you have the capacity to be able to set up a a buying program where you might say, I really like $40,000 of this particular fund in my my super fund or in my trust. I will put $20,000 in now so that if things rally, you've got some skin in the game, you make some money. Because being completely in and being completely out are just as dangerous Mm. as each other. 
The effect of dollar cost averaging, of course, is to smooth out volatility. Now, you mentioned Commonwealth Bank and Macquarie Bank. So the Macquarie Bank in recent times has been as high as a smidgen over $200 a share. true. Currently down around $170-something a share. About $170 yesterday, yeah. Yeah, about that. Okay. So over time, it's swung about $30 or or a bit more per share. So if you bought them all at $210 a share, Mm. then it cost you a certain amount of money but if you bought some shares six months ago and then some shares today and then some more shares six months in the future you'll smooth out that volatility and you'll pay an average cost that's less than the peak that exactly. you might have paid exactly right and that's where you know buying things during times of duress you know we've seen a lot of bank stocks come under pressure they're still very well capitalized they're still very very secure they're going to be around for the dawn of time because if something like a Macquarie or a CBA got shut down, you could just put a bow on this country, um, get the window oh, yes, open, well, and we can, right, all, yeah. we can all take turns leaping out. Um, no, I'm not saying do that, but you, you're exactly right. At $170, you might say, okay, well, I'll buy a parcel. Yes. And then I'll keep an eye on it. And you're exactly right. Dollar cost averaging is just illustrating to people that you don't need to go and throw all your powder at once have the ability to have some cash because I've never worked with anybody that goes, oh, the market's come off. Well, let's buy some of this and this and this. No one's ever got upset by being able to do that. They always go, oh, I wish I had some cash. Now, if you're in a a wrapper counter or personal super fund or anything like that, you also have the ability to buy wholesale managed funds or any type of managed funds if you like, where the fund that you are in will allow you to set up a buying program where you might turn around and say, rather than pick things on an ad hoc basis, I'll put $20,000 in today and I'm going to put $1,000 in over the next 10 months on the first of the month and automate that buying process to, again, mm. average in and just mitigate or limit the potential for large swings in volatility. Exactly so that you can hold good quality stuff and buy things at an average price. And it's a strategy that is especially convenient if you make it part of a savings plan. If you're dedicating $1,000 a month from your income into your savings plan, you can directly put that. You don't have to wait until you've got $10,000 or $20,000 saved up. You can buy smaller tranches as you go along. Yeah, and look, again, I think a wonderful illustration there, and we touched on this a couple of weeks ago, where you don't need a lot to get started. You know, there are a number of very good retail platforms out there that you can start with $500 and then say, okay, I'm going to save $200 a month and I might break that up into 50 in this, this, this and this. And that just, it's automated, it's repetitive. You don't have to think about it. Not thinking about it for me is is one of the key benefits of considering dollar cost averaging because I find any time that you need to physically do it yourself and make a conscious choice to action something it gets missed it gets skipped i'm too busy i don't have this if you automate it it just happens and it rolls out and over time you can benefit from compounding because you're adding to individual positions on a regular basis and hopefully when things are good you might buy a bit more when things are bad you might get some extra units for the same money that you're spending but as the name says you're averaging out your entry price so that you can maintain something over the longer term Let me put another curly question to you. Sometimes when we rush out in a fit of excitement and buy a transfer of shares and 
the share price might be, for example, sake of argument, it's $100. And then a couple of months later, they've fallen. They're down to $80, $70. I'm thinking, gee, did I do the right thing? Is it a good idea to buy some more shares because now they're cheaper? Is that a buying opportunity? Uh, or is that a sign that you should be backing out of that investment and cutting your losses? And how do you make that decision? Well, I, I think the answer to both sides of that question is it really depends on what you've bought. You know, if you're buying something that is of the highest quality with a strong track record and you understand the mechanics of that particular investment, then buying while things are down, knowing that you have an extended time frame in relation to your holding period, a very, very good way of doing what you wish you probably didn't have the guts to do in the past because everybody can look back and go, if only I'd, mm. but you didn't. So I think, again, in a controlled manner, potentially not throwing everything at it, yeah. you might buy some more if you still believe in the fundamental numbers of yeah. that particular investment. If it was a good investment at $100 and it's – still a good company, then it's probably an even better investment at $70. So if you do buy some more, what you've effectively done is reduced your average cost per share. Yeah, and you've also then bought in at a very, very good level that can set the income stream in yeah. place going forwards. Now, it's really interesting that you use that analogy because we saw a lot of that through COVID. You know, people liked Webjet at $15. They thought it was great value at 8 <laughs> but at $2.50, they didn't want to touch it. Yeah. Now it's back at seven dollars, eight bucks. People are wishing that they did. Yes. So I think again, you need to understand the things that you're buying. You need to understand why you're buying them. Am I buying it for growth? Is it speculative? Is it for income? Is it for security? What are you you actually buying? And then how much of it do I want to have in my portfolio? Is it two percent, three percent, four percent, five percent? And then give yourself the capacity to average in buy half. And then just see what happens. If we go into a recession or, you know, there's there's weaker economic news, we see markets come down. If things are more positive, like, oh, we haven't had an interest rate rise or inflation's coming down, we see markets move in a more positive direction. So, again, you're never going to try and pick the bottom or the top, but what you want to be able to do is consistently and systematically be building positions knowing that you have a long-term investment horizon that you can continue to diversify and build over time. I suppose then it's also probably a good idea to maintain some sort of uh, cash reserve so that you can seize those opportunities when they arise. Yeah, and again, that's just part of managing a portfolio. You want to be in things that are generally quite liquid and having that capacity to buy uh, and keeping a sufficient amount of cash on hand that could be in the interim, it could be, 18, 12 to 18 months of pension money so that you can meet your living costs that you have there. But if an opportunity does arise because somebody's missed a reporting expectation or uh, a key person in an institution has left, that doesn't necessarily mean that the institution's going to suffer. It just means that you've got potentially the opportunity to buy a high-quality asset at a discounted price and you might throw a little bit at it and then sit on the sidelines and see. No one's ever got upset about being able to buy more at a discount. People get frustrated by going too early in either their excitement or their lack of understanding of what they've bought into or an out-of-the-box change of economic environment, uh, which, you know, was something like a COVID that saw, you know, your example earlier of, of Macquarie Bank, that hit about 75 bucks, March 2020. Now, you couldn't, you couldn't buy enough of it. 
mm-hmm. you know, because again, you've got to understand what you're buying. But yeah. there's an opportunity where if you're gonna, you know, a couple of times in your life make some real big leaps, that was that was one that you could have really prospered from because it was it was back at $180 very very quickly. Yeah, and of course you don't always see those opportunities coming. It's always easy to look back with yeah, the, correct. Uh, uh, benefit of hindsight and go, gee, if only I had done this or that. Mm. Um, another quick one, though, if we're spreading out the schedule with which we're purchasing assets, do we need to also take into account the uh, payment of dividends? Because they happen twice a year, and yeah. when they do, the share price suddenly drops because of the value of the dividend that's just been, t- just been paid out. That's exactly right. So you can buy something with or without a dividend, and it'll trade at a point um, X dividend, so it's 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 been allowed for. If you purchase it after a date leading up to the distribution point, you don't get that income. Um, so be mindful of that. Now, again, I think for all intensive purposes, if you buy it and get the income, fine. If you buy it after and the share price comes down a little bit, fine. It's in the price on either side, so it's it's really not something that would be detrimental. Um, if you're in retirement and you're buying things in a pension fund, then you might want that distributable income because it's a great way of funding your annual pension payment. You're also then looking to try and manage your franking credits, again, in, in, in a tax-free pension environment, and even within a, a, an active super fund. Controlling your franking credits is really, really important because it gives you significant tax concessions at the end of the financial year and can help reduce the amount of tax you pay. So be mindful of when things are paid. Um, and if you are trying to buy you know, really good value, maybe wait for the dividend. In a similar vein, um, managed funds, you generally don't buy managed funds leading up to 30 June because if you buy them in June and they make an annual distribution of income at the 30th of June, you potentially bought yourself a tax problem and you haven't seen any of the uplift because you haven't owned the asset long enough. Mm. So buy post-June when all of the distributions are out of the unit price, and then you've got a full 12 months to benefit from whatever that underlying asset does. Luke Smith from Envision Financial is with me in the studio today. We're talking about dollar cost averaging and how and why you might use it. 10 to 5, and we'll be back with more in just a moment. 12.06 on 2CC. Six minutes to five. It's a Friday afternoon, and that means Luke Smith from Envision Financial is with me in the studio. Today, we're talking about dollar cost averaging, what it is and why you might use it. So, Luke, what are the key things to remember about dollar cost averaging? Yeah, so some of the key things we touched on prior to the ad break was averaging in over time allows you to buy on weakness. It also allows you to be in a position and build on it over time. So rather than being completely in or completely out, you're just trying to simply mitigate missing out on any significant swings, either good or bad, and building a position over time. If you can automate it through a regular payment, either through your super fund or through the investment platform that you're in, think about doing that so that you don't have to think about it. Consider what you're going to buy, decide how much you want to hold in total, and then set in place a dollar cost averaging program that will get you to your allocation preference over your selected period of time. And it might be six months for something, it might be 12 months for something else. It's just about trying to make sure that you're building a position in light of both positive and negative movements. If you're going to consider purchasing assets, as we touched on, think about when the dividends are paid. You might want them, you might not. If you're buying into a managed fund, think about when you will start because if they make a distribution at 30 June or they make a distribution at 31 December, 
you may not want to throw everything in right before the income's paid because that'll be reflected in the unit price and you may have to pay tax on the dividend being the income or the distribution that you receive. So think about the timing of when you start. Don't worry about good or bad. Stick to your knitting, okay? It's a marathon, it's not a sprint. If things go really bad and you still have conviction and you know you touched on if the price comes off, is it good to buy? Understand what you're buying. Using wholesale managed funds or ETFs are a great way of getting wonderful internal diversification at a very, very cheap price. So just keep buying because over time when things rally, you'll be able to do that. If you've got one of those micro investing apps like a raise or one of those, then that's a great example of being able to buy regularly because you can select not only that the system has rounded up your spending, but also that you're going to put a regular amount into whatever it is that you're buying. So understand what you're going to buy, decide how much you want to hold in each asset, put in your seed capital, and then keep that moving. It doesn't have to have an end date. You know, I have a lot of parents come in and say, what do I do for my kids? Those micro-investing apps are a wonderful way to kick things off with a very small balance. And over time, in conjunction with some positive market movements and some saving, you can get some very significant gains and some significant balances in those different apps. So think about doing it over the longer term because it's, it's not something that you actually need to stop with, but you can start with a much lower amount and build it up over time because the misconception that you need a lot of money to invest is is very much a fallacy. So, Luke, where can listeners get more information? Yeah, so the office number is 62604749. We've got envisionfinancial.com.au on the internet. We've got the podcast, The Strategy Stacker, Luke Talks Money on iTunes and Spotify. We've got the YouTube channel, Envision Financial Canberra. We've got YouTube Shorts. We've got on the Tiki Tocker. We've got the Strategy Stacker handle there. Um, and dollar cost averaging is in the initial chapters of Smart Money Strategy, Your Ultimate Guide to Financial Planning, which is available in all good bookstores. And even well some of the bad ones. Oh, well. <laughs> Thanks very much, Luke. We'll catch you again next Friday. <laughs> See you next week, mate. <laughs> Luke Smith from Envision Financial back with us again at the same time next Friday.